You're listening to Astroscope, astrology podcast by Mark Lerner and Great Bear Enterprises. This podcast is sponsored by Buzzword Consulting and Forfame.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to part two of the astrological secret of Star Wars. It is still December 15, 2019. I just completed the first one, which was a reading from 27 and a half years ago from our pioneering astrology magazine, Welcome to Planet Earth. And as you all know, we're about to have The Rise of Skywalker, which is number nine in the entire series, come out at the end of this this week on December the 20th. As I just shared um, in the last podcast I just finished moments ago, tomorrow night in Hollywood, December 16, will be the glamorous, star-studded, uh, red carpet type of showing where the stars come out from the film. And um, I'll be sharing more about that at another time. So I want to just plunge in here. This is part two. Of, originally, it was called The Secret of Star Wars with the subtitle of The Mystery of the Cardinal Cross. And obviously, if, if you're listening to this, then you should have already listened to part one because otherwise you'll miss the entire point of why we're doing all this. So this was... Uh, written in June of 1992, 27 plus years ago, originally called The Secret of Star Wars, and it has to do with the Arnold UFO sighting. And so here we go. In the beginning, June 24th, 1947, 3 p.m., the skies over Mount Rainier in the state of Washington. Kenneth Arnold, an Idaho businessman, is flying his private plane, searching for a downed aircraft which has been missing. Arnold is also an employee of the United States Forest Service. Suddenly, seemingly out of nowhere, he sees nine disc-shaped objects flying at more than 1,200 miles per hour. They appear to be flying between Mount Rainier and Mount Adams, weaving in and out of formation. Arnold observes them at about 10,000 feet for several minutes until they vanish. Quote, it seems impossible, unquote, Arnold said, quote, but there it is. Unquote, from the Associated Press. When a newsman asked him to clarify the object's appearance, Arnold suggested that, quote, they flew like a saucer would if you skipped it across the water, unquote. Thus was born the modern myth of flying saucers. Everyone began talking about them and looking for flying saucers. Arnold had never said they were, quote, flying saucers, unquote, He had only given out a highly imaginative metaphor. Obviously, this was not the first report of a UFO, unidentified flying object. Just a few months before, people in Sweden were seeing strange objects in the sky. And for hundreds, if not thousands of years, human beings from all over the world have been witnessing and experiencing strange encounters with vehicles from another world or realm of existence. Not so long ago, Eric von Daniken wrote an immensely popular book called Chariots of the Gods. His major premise was that astronauts from other planets had visited our Earth in ancient times. When Rod Serling of the Twilight Zone fame was still alive, he hosted a special on this subject. Again, I'm just going to make a comment here. I often write and and criticize people who will say what I just wrote here. So from a humorous standpoint, 
when I wrote this one, I said when Rod Serling of the Twilight Zone fame was still alive. Well, obviously, he wouldn't be writing it after he was alive. So uh, sorry for that little point of humor. At any rate, Rod Serling, inventor of the Twilight Zone, he created a special on the subject, part particularly focusing on strange and enormous line drawing patterns in the landscape of South America, the Nazca Plain, and diagrams of the Mayans that seem to reveal contact with extraterrestrials and their vehicles. And let me add a point here. Again, I'm reading from what I wrote in the Leo 1992 Planet Earth magazine, which is 27 and a half, and a half years ago. And since then, of course, if anybody's watched the History Channel, there have been how many years now of ancient aliens? They're serious. It's 13 or 14 years of multiple episodes of all of these kind of things. Eric Von Daniken, Rod Serling, they came out way earlier. So what I'm talking about in the 1992 version of my article had already occurred in the 1970s, in fact, the late 1960s and early 1970s. Okay, back to our storyline here. There are also some who believe that the Bible is filled with references to extraterrestrials, Ezekiel's vision of a flaming chariot in the sky, Jacob's dream of angels ascending to and descending from heaven via ladder, Moses's pillar of fire, and so on are thought by some readers to be expressions of, quote, close encounters of the third kind, unquote. Nevertheless, the Arnold sighting is considered the true birth of the flying saucer UFO craze. As such, its astrological meaning can be deciphered by examining the horoscope for the moment Kenneth Arnold experienced his rendezvous with destiny, the Arnold saucer chart. The most significant factor in this birth chart wasn't even available to astrologers living from June 24, 1947 through October 1977 during that 30-year time period. The comet small planet Chiron, spelled C-H-I-R-O-N, discovered by Charles Cowell on November 1 of 1977, approximately 10 a.m. Pacific Time, Mount Palomar, California, the comet Chiron, or small planet, was rising within one degree of the ascendant of the rising point as Arnold sighted the nine dish-shaped objects. Now, I wrote that in bold, just so you know, back in the summer of 1992. Chiron rising at the moment of um, the birth of flying saucers. So, we will see how this, I'm reading now from the storyline again, we will see how important this location is when we focus on the chart for the discovery of Chiron. Think about it. Let's say an astrologer calculated this chart between 1947 and October 1977. Again, the chart for uh, the Arnold birth of flying saucers, June 24th, 1947. So an astrologer creates this chart during the 30-year time period between 1947 and October 1977. All the regular planets, the moon and the sun, would appear. The ascendant or rising sign would be four degrees of Scorpio, but no planetary body would be right on the horizon. Suddenly, in the months following the blockbuster movie hits Star Wars and Close Encounters of the Third Kind, exciting the public imagination again about space travel and UFOs, suddenly a new planet is discovered, orbiting between Saturn, reality and limits, and Uranus, the invisible realms, the unknown and manifesting right on the ascendant rising sign of the Arnold sighting chart. Chiron rising at the Arnold UFO map is a mighty symbol. We don't even know what Chiron actually is. First considered a small planet, 
Astronomical investigators then suggested it might be a runaway asteroid or even a comet. Until we have a close-up photograph of Chiron, it's still possible it could be something else, perhaps an object from another solar system or galaxy. Even if Chiron is simply a planetary body and now an artificial satellite created by extraterrestrials, consider its placement in our solar system. Now, let me add one point. Since the discovery of Chiron, remember, I'm writing this in 1992. Chiron was discovered in 1977. Other what are called centaur-type bodies, there's a category for these in astrology. I'm adding this now. There's what's called Shariklo, which is a companion, a feminine companion from mythology of Chiron. And there are different other uh, bodies that are related to what are called the centaurs, which are these kind of mysterious, small planetary bodies between, usually between the orbit of Saturn and Uranus. Some, some, in some cases, they're beyond Uranus and so on. So there's one called Pholos, which is often recognized by a lot of people. So in this case, I'm just talking about Chiron and its connection, particularly to the birth of flying saucers and the discovery of Chiron and its chart, which we'll get to in a moment. Okay, back to the story. Chiron, which is now strongly associated with the healing arts, the chakras, astrology, chiropractic medicine, initiatory experiences, shamanism, and the like, is located in the zone between Saturn and Uranus, a part of the solar system where the visible meets the invisible. Isn't this a fascinating parallel to UFOs, which appear to weave in and out of our dimension of life? As we will discover next time, actually, just so you know, that'll be this time in our podcast, um, Chiron has a distinct connection to the mystery of UFOs and visitations by extraterrestrials. It should be noted that all three outer planets figure prominently in this chart. Uranus at 23 degrees of Gemini. This is, again, what I'm referring to is the birth of flying saucers chart from June 24th, 1947. Kenneth Arnold seeing these disc-shaped objects over Mount Rainier. So in this chart, Uranus at 23 degrees of Gemini is, in, is within one degree of its own discovery placement from March 13, 1781. Uranus can only return to this dynamic zone for a few months every 84 years. Uranus rules the unexpected, shocking events, space travel, and aviation. Pluto is the most elevated planet in this map, symbolizing the national metamorphosis and allegations of governmental cover-ups that would ensue, ensue for decades following this event. Neptune had just made a direct station five days before the Arnold sighting, but notice the moon in this chart, it is located in late Virgo. The next day, June 25th, when Kenneth Arnold told his story and the flying saucer craze became, began taking off, the moon and Neptune were exactly together in the 12th house, representing mysteries of this birth chart. The Neptune station and the moon-Neptune alliance represent the mass phenomenon that the UFO movement has grown into over the years. Saturn, next subtitle, Saturn in 1947, 1962, 1977, and 1992. It is now, again, this is 1992, I'm reading from, it is now 45 years since the Kenneth Arnold event near Mount Rainier. Every 15 years, Saturn either opposes or conjoins its placement from June 24, 1947. Since Saturn has much to do with definition, focus, and reality, it is meaning, meaningful to look at 1962, Saturn being in Aquarius, 
1977, Saturn and Leo, and 1992, Saturn and Aquarius, and refer our findings back to 1947. When transiting Saturn first opposed the Saturn placement from the Arnold sighting, it was 1962. In February of that year, seven planets conjoined in Aquarius at a total solar eclipse. Many people are re referred to this as the symbolic, quote, dawning of the age of Aquarius, unquote. We do know that later that year, 1962, we experienced the Cuban Missile Crisis in October, when America and Russia almost ignited a planetary nuclear holocaust. Saturn was stationary in October 1962 at five degrees of Aquarius, closely opposing Saturn from June 24th of 1947, the Arnold sighting. Note, George Lucas was only 18 years old on June 12, 1962, when he slammed his car into a tree. He almost died, but came away from the near tragedy with a changed mind and heart. Saturn was exactly opposing Pluto from the Arnold sighting and crossing George Lucas's own moon at 12 degrees of Aquarius near the top of his chart. On May 25, 1977, George Lucas's epic film Star Wars opened to ecstatic audiences in New York and Los Angeles. Saturn at 11 plus degrees Leo was exactly crossing the Arnold sighting Pluto, residing at the midhaven of that chart. Saturn was also opposing, an, via a, an illuminating polarity, Lucas's natal moon. Saturn had traveled halfway in its 30-year orbit since the time of June 1962, when George Lucas was, quote, brought back from the dead, unquote, after his near-fatal near car crash. Later in 1977, Steven Spielberg's astounding Close Encounters of the Third Kind appeared, making the case for UFOs even more formidable. By November 1 of 1977, with Saturn at 29 plus degrees of Leo, conjoined the bright first magnitude star Regulus, the little king of the constellation of Leo, a star said to focus the esoteric and potent energies of Sirius, the wolf-dog star that strongly influences humanity on spiritual levels, Chiron would be discovered. That's November 1 of 1977, would be the discovery of Chiron. And remember that Chiron was exactly rising when Arnold made his discovery of alien spacecraft on June 24, 1947. On the weekend of May 16 and 17 of 1992, the time of the Taurus full moon, it's also known as the Buddha or Waysak festival, which is often considered the high spiritual cycle of the year by esoteric astrologers, the Intruders, a special TV movie, was shown to a national audience in the tens of millions. The two-part film discussed abductions of human beings by aliens. Saturn, nearing its station in late May of 1992, was once again in Aquarius, widely opposing the Saturn and Pluto in Leo positions from June 24, 1947, the Arnold sightings. The full moon itself was right on the Mars placement of June 24, 1947. That Mars position is 25 plus of Taurus. So the full moon itself of 1992, when the Intruders TV special came out, was right on the Mars placement of June 24, 1947, and Saturn's placement closely squared rising Jupiter in the Arnold sighting chart. The issue of the unexplained crop circles appearing in England and other parts of the world still captivates millions. TV shows like Unsolved Mysteries 
continue to explore alien abductions of people and the phenomenon of lost time, people unable to recall blocks of several hours and then under hypnosis finding out they may have been aboard alien spacecraft. Next part, the Chiron discovery and Chiron and Leo. We complete the miniseries by focusing attention on the discovery of Chiron of Chiron's chart when it was discovered. This map has strong and vital connection with the Arnold sighting horoscope. So now we're going to, um, let me just take a break for a moment. We're going to read, I'm going to read to you from July 1992, which is a Virgo Planet Earth magazine called Part 3, The Secret of Star Wars. Now we're re-entitling it The Astrological Secret of Star Wars. So let's get into this. Here we go. Last time we revealed the birth chart for the moment that businessman and pilot Kenneth Arnold sighted UFOs over Mount Rainier in the state of Washington on June 24th, 1947. We discussed the fact that the comet or planetoid Chiron, first discovered by astronomer Charles Cowell on November 1, 1977, 10 a.m. Mount Palomar, California, that Chiron was almost exactly rising as those nine dish-shaped saucers were sighted. However, Chiron had not been discovered yet in 1947. It was cited just after George Lucas had released his phenomenal movie, hit Star Wars in May of 77, and then Steven Spielberg followed with Close Encounters of the Third Kind, fall of 1977. My basic premise shared last time was that the discovery of Chiron and the appearance of these two movies were not accidental. The recognition of Chiron in the solar system orbiting the sun between Saturn and Uranus, and in a sense leaking the visible and the invisible dimensions of life, the physical realm and the spiritual realm must be a special key for humanity. In fact, the symbol of Chiron, which we'll get into, is the key, the K with the little circle, which is interesting because it's also, um, in a sense, the discoverer Charles Cowell, the, the letter C, I'm just adding this now, the letter C and the letter K kind of combined together into the symbol of Chiron. Back to the story. So my basic premise shared last time was that the discovery of Chiron and the appearance of these two movies were not accidental. The recognition of Chiron in the solar system orbiting the sun between Saturn and Uranus and in a sense linking the visible and invisible dimensions of life, the physical realm and the spiritual realm must be a key, a special key for humanity, offering human beings a chance to evolve more quickly, understand their purpose and destiny on earth, build bridges to higher consciousness, heal wounds from their childhoods and even previous lives. For more on all this, please, please read Barbara Hanclough's terrific book, Chiron, Rainbow Bridge Between the Inner and Outer Planets, Llewellyn Paperback. Hopefully, and it should be still available, I'm saying this now through Amazon or Llewellyn. Barbara Hanclough's terrific book, Chiron, Rainbow Bridge Between the Inner and Outer Planets. By the way, I also want to add this, that Zane Stein, um, who wrote many times in Welcome to Planet Earth, did so much in the field of Chiron writing, and he also, with various books and websites and activity, and without his great contributions, um, I would be at a loss. I just want everyone to know that. Okay, back to uh, the story. When you examine the Chiron discovery map and compare it to the moment when Kenneth Arnold ignited the UFO phenomenon, you will see how powerful Chiron is. At the Arnold sighting of June 24, 1947, Chiron was rising at three degrees of Scorpio. When Chiron was discovered some 30 plus years later, it was located at three plus degrees of Taurus, 
Thus Chiron at its discovery was in a, quote, full moon illumination, unquote, to Chiron at the UFO sightings of June 24th, 1947. By the way, I'm adding this now. When I say full moon illumination, I'm, I'm representing the fact that the full moon every month is a polarity of the sun and the moon with the earth in between. And often when there's an opposition of any two planets in the sky or in someone's chart, I'm adding this now, I refer to that as a kind of full moon polarity because anytime two celestial bodies are in opposition, there is a potential enlightenment and illumination that can occur for that individual. The, the choice is either a pulling apart, which is when you think of the word opposition, where people are opposed to one another, the more positive term is polarity or complementarity or complementary. And so that's why when I wrote this in 1992, I was describing a situation where in 1947, undiscovered Chiron happened to be rising in the chart for the Arnold Flying Saucer matter at three of Scorpio, right on the horizon or ascendant for when Kenneth Arnold sighted those nine flying disks or flying saucers. Then 30 years later, we discover Chiron, and guess what? It's at the third degree, three plus degrees of Taurus, exactly on the other side of the zodiac, and therefore in what I call full moon elimination to Chiron from the UFO sightings, June 24th, 1947. Back to the story now. Coincidence? Question mark? Perhaps not. Chiron was also passing over the seventh house cusp, or the descendant of the Arnold sighting chart. Thus, it was suddenly becoming visible in the Western sector, representing the public, of that chart. I don't know why Chiron at its discovery is so related to Chiron at the Arnold sighting, but I do feel it must have something to do with humanity's higher evolution and the possible link to extraterrestrial, extraterrestrials who are guiding our destiny as a species. Whenever a planet is discovered, the discovery map is a potent symbol that can be researched and explored. The sign Scorpio, unearthing mysteries, solving riddles, is prominent in the discovery maps for Uranus, Neptune, Pluto, and Chiron. In, in this Chiron discovery map, the sun is closely conjoined Uranus in the 11th house. This alignment may signify the stunning advances that will occur in the future when more of the secret keys of Chiron un are uncovered. Remember that the key is the main symbol for Chiron. Chiron is strongly connected to the sign Virgo, Barbara Han Clow's research, the health and medical fields, shamanism, chiropractic medicine, even the arts of astrology, and particularly the tarot. It is associated with oracular and divination skills and various kinds of healing arts, some of which haven't been discovered yet. By the way, let me add one other thing. I am fortunate enough, and Barbara Han Clow um, from... Baron Company, which then merged into another company, uh, I was fortunate enough to be the co-creator um, with Isha Lerner of Inner Child Cards. And they came out a long time ago and have been translated into many different languages. And it's been a tremendous um, success. Uh, Inner Child Cards are based on fairy tales and that fairy tales t sort of explain more of our collective consciousness than people might realize. And so that has been out for quite a long time, I think almost 30 years now. Um, inner Child Cards, uh, available in many different languages and definitely available through Amazon 
Tarot.com and some other sources and possibly in uh, Tarot sections of bookstores. Later on, I created with a friend in uh, out here in Oregon, Baseball Tarot with Laura Phillips. And um, while that did not get a wide circulation, it was an enormously significant undertaking. It took 10 years to be able to get Baseball Tarot. I don't believe that they kept a lot of the uh, editions. Um, there are still some out there, but again, it's called Baseball Tarot. Um, another organization tried to steal the idea and created the, the Tarot of Baseball. That is not what I created along with Laura Phillips. We created Baseball Tarot. It's very beautiful. And at some point, I will try and create the digital, more modern version online of those beautiful cards um, so that people can see that um, because I've always been tremendously interested in sports and that's how I got my great love for numbers and mathematics and different things that led to astrology and more about that another time. I just wanted to pause here because I just mentioned that Chiron is connected as I was writing back 27 years ago to the Tarot and I, as I said here and I'll, I'll get back into the story I'll, right now. Chiron is associated with oracular and divination skills and various kinds of healing arts, some of which haven't even been discovered yet. People who have Chiron very prominent birth are often mavericks and eccentrics, people who are often strikingly gifted with genius in a specific field. While Saturn relates to chronological time and Uranus might represent the doorway into eternity, Chiron stands for a kind of twilight zone of time, chirological time where your normal daily, weekly, or monthly cycles are suddenly disrupted. Again, I, I want to add here, Zane Stein, um, who wrote so many volumes, um, literal volumes, and also stories, uh, articles on Chiron, I think he is the person who came up with the idea of chirological time as opposed to chronological time. I want to give him credit here at this particular point. Um, again, back to the story. So Chiron stands for a kind of twilight zone of time, chirological time, where your normal daily, weekly, or monthly cycles are suddenly disrupted. This kind of chirological time can often occur for an individual when a transit or progression of Chiron becomes precise. The individual may be going through a severe illness, marital breakup, family crisis, job loss, etc. Normal time becomes rather suspended, and in its place there is a strange psychological, quote, time warp, unquote, that intrudes. You may meet unusual people and have strong encounters that seem out of place, out of time. All of this may relate to the bizarre out-of-time occurrences that have been mentioned by people who have claimed to have been on board UFOs, the phenomenon of lost time. Now that actually ends this, this part of the, the secret of Star Wars. However, I just want to add at this point, I wrote many articles about the power of Chiron over the years. One of the most dramatic is that the day that President Kennedy was assassinated on November 22nd, 1963, Chiron was stationary exactly on that date. And I did a bunch of research, which was kind of a blind research study, where I looked over the 20th century, and before even noting where Chiron was, I, I thought to myself, what what would I believe as a hypothesis? Uh, if you remember in, when we all took geometry, usually 11th grade, um, you'd have a proof and you'd have to go through a whole hypothesis, a theory, and then prove it all with a series of statements, 
whether it's a certain kind of triangle or whatever the particular proof was, you'd create a hypothesis. And so one of the things I did was I wrote down, having studied history a whole lot, what were some of the major events of the 20th century when time seemed to stop, when everyone was thrown out of chronological time, which Saturn rules, and thrown into something that we'd call the fifth dimension, the twilight zone, or as Zane Stein would call it, chirological time, kind of the doorway into eternity that's represented in astrology by outer planets like Uranus, Neptune, Pluto, and now that we've discovered them, other planets like Eris, Sedna, and some of the other ones that are far beyond Pluto. And and at the beginning of my list, and I wrote about this, and at some point I'll do a podcast on it, here were the beginning of the list. The first thing was President Kennedy. And at this point, I didn't know that Chiron was stationary. Just, you know, President Kennedy's murder um, was so monumentally devastating for myself as a 13 and a half year old and millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of Americans, people around the planet, very different than 9-1-1, than September 11th, 2001, equally horrific in a more major way in terms of loss of life. But for me, growing up, that was the top of my list. Okay, if Chiron, Chiron has to be active, I thought to myself in some way. I didn't know at that point when I did the research, the hypothesis that it wasn't moving, that it was stationary. And just so you know, when celestial bodies are stationary, one of the first things I ever learned in astrology from my main mentor, Dane Redjart, was you got to look at the speed of planets. That's why astrologers now with all the software if you do not have if you're a professional astrologer and you're not working with the so-called bible which are the ephemerides where you see every day how fast or slow things are moving in the sky the, the sun the moon the various planets asteroids knowing when planets are stationary when they're slowing down speeding up not just retrograde which is a big deal and i just finished a a podcast recently, The Truth About Mercury Retrograde, and explained my views on that. And it's not just Mercury Retrograde and looking at things superficially, but in people's birth charts, if you're listening to my voice now, if, if you've ever had your chart done, how fast is your moon moving? Is it slow? Or is, it, is it fast? Is it in between? How fast is Mercury moving? Not just whether it's retrograde or direct. How fast is it moving on the day you were born? Is it slowing up? Is it speeding down? That has a lot to do with how you're thinking and communicating. What about Venus? What about Mars? What about Jupiter? What about Chiron? What about various planets? Planets that are slowing down or speeding up or at a station. These are very important things to recognize. So back to this one point here before we close for this time. The, so the first item I listed of the 20th century of major events where we where people were thrown out of time was the murder of President Kennedy, November 22nd, 1963. However, there was an assassination of the of the Archduke Franz Ferdinand of the Austro-Hungarian Empire, June 28th of 1914, which at that point was was called the shot heard around the world. I mean, we had had the previous shot heard around the world in in uh, the Battle of Lexington and Concord. You know, back in 1975, that shot heard around the world, at least metaphorically speaking, but literally and metaphorically in a way, was the beginning of, of, of active warfare between the 13 colonies and the United, uh, well, England at that point. But on June 28th, 1914, 
a 19-year-old Bosnian Serb, Gavrilo Princip, wound up assassinating the heir to the Austro-Hungarian throne, Franz Ferdinand. He also wound up killing his wife uh, on a Sunday, and this led a month later to what Barbara, um, see if I, Barbara Tuckman, great historian, wrote The Guns of August, the beginning of World War I. So even though World War I began approximately July 31st and August 1st, Germany, Austria-Hungary, Great Britain or England, France, different powers, beginning World War One, which was really led into World War Two. So those two wars are together. The date June 28th, 1914 would be a day when we're out of time, we're out of chronological time. The third one was, was the moon landing, the first human being on the moon. So we get into that July 20th, 1969. Now I had a series of other time periods there, but here's the amazing thing. The top three events when I felt the world, the regular time of chronological time stopped. President Kennedy's murder, the assassination of the Archduke Ferdinand, and when we landed the first human being on the moon. All of them happened at Chiron stations. The Archduke Ferdinand, it was close in time to that, and the same thing with landing a human being on the moon with President Kennedy was exact on that day. Now, one of the thing about stations is that we will often, I will often write in my cosmic calendar, which I've been doing for 38 years and which is on Great Bear Enterprises, and you can subscribe. Uh, it used to be at the center of Welcome to Planet Earth. And then when we stopped publishing in 2000, it has been online on various websites and is available on Great Bear Enterprise. So, in doing the cosmic calendar, I will refer to an event like Chiron is stationary, and I will give a specific time, which comes from the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, for a literally for a particular uh, moment in the course of a day. And uh, what's interesting is we are now in a cycle where Chiron is fundamentally, we, we just had a Chiron station in the last couple of days. It was at the end of last week. So Chiron has been extraordinarily powerful as I'm reading this whole story from 1992. It's not as if um, this is just happening simply because of the ninth Star Wars movie. We actually have had Chiron motionless, and this is being this is very powerful and those energies. So even though in the cosmic calendar we might say on this particular day at this time there is a station of Chiron or Neptune or Pluto or Mercury, stations actually are powerful for several days before and after. So when I created this hypothesis and found that those three dates were all at Chiron stations, either exact or within a couple of days, I was astounded because my hypothesis came true. And this also helped me to understand more about how Chiron has functioned over the years. And I've researched it in so many different ways. And so I would like you to take to heart a lot of the keynotes that I've brought up about Chiron. Also on our website, we have a section called Astro Business Keys. And it's not just business, but if you go to Astro Business Keys on Great Bear Enterprises, you will see uh, all these keywords and archetypes about for the sun, for the moon, for all the regular planets, the asteroids, as well as for Chiron. And that's one way of seeing how Chiron and asteroids like Ceres, which again, I've been talking about because of the uh, discovery of Ceres back in 1801 connected exactly to George Lucas and his son degree at 23 of Taurus. So um, 
go to Astro Business Keys and, and assimilate or download that area and you'll have all kinds of keynotes and archetypes that are not just business oriented, but are social oriented and in terms of spirituality. And that will be a great lead into understanding the power of each celestial body and how it relates to our life. So let me end here on that particular note. There will be more about all of this coming up very soon uh, in another, a third uh, part of this series that relates back to George Lucas, when he was born, other parts of this whole saga, and particularly with what's happening this week. So may the force be with all of you as you're listening to all of this. And I look forward to hearing back from you. And hopefully you'll visit Great Bear Enterprises, where we have uh, not just the podcast, but we have Earth Aquarius news articles. We have Astro, Astro Flash we have the School of Planetary Studies to learn astrology in 36 one-hour lessons, which is now digital. It's online um, where you can learn astrology in your spare time. There are lesson notes as well that are part of all that and, and charts. And I started that back when I got here in 1985. Uh, and it went to originally a group of students, 36 one-hour cassettes. Literally, if you remember, cassettes. And then the cassettes were changed into CDs, and now, um, via my daughter's expertise, we have them online uh, on the website, School of Planetary Studies. And not a whole lot of people often realize that on the website we have this incredible, all these incredible learning materials. Uh, those are not free, but they're also something that if you want to learn astrology from soup to nuts. It's not just my ideas, but the great astrologers I learned from. Uh, so far now, it's 47 years of learning. People like Dane Rudyard, Dr. Dr. Mark Edmund-Jones, uh, two enormously great astrologers, as well as people like Charles Carter from England and Evangeline Adams, and many other astrologers, professional astrologers, Alan Leo, for instance, uh, and others. And then in, in Welcome to Planet Earth, I just want to say one more time, so fortunate for all the great astrologers and writers who were able to be part of that whole enterprise of Welcome to Planet Earth over 20 years from 1981 to 2000. And periodically, I will keep going back as um, in the future, 2020, when we need to connect up with planetary or solar, lunar, planetary, asteroid archetypes um, in, in the modern world, current events, I will refer back to some of these stories. Uh, you may know in our podcast, I, I did a whole focus on Vesta because Vesta was coming back for the United States birth chart three times. And still, this is still going to happen in February of 2020, Vesta in the sign of Taurus. And I did two podcasts. It's part of our podcast section recently about the trifold return of Vesta and went back to an issue and that I read from uh, in those two podcasts about the Vesta Covenant, which connected, unfortunately, a shadow side of Vesta related to um, the United States birth chart, as well as the founding of the Third Reich and some of the shadow sides of Vesta, because all the celestial bodies have a low, medium, and high side. And no matter what you hear about the so-called benefics, like Venus supposedly being a benefic and Jupiter being a benefic or beneficial planets, and yes, they usually are, However, not always, and one can overdo a good thing, including Venus and Jupiter, which can lead to dire results. If one overdoes 
those energy fields, depending on your birth chart, your progressions, your transits, your compatibility with other people, and so on. And as well, the so-called malefics of traditional astrology, Mars and Saturn, while they are often challenging and difficult and have negative energies, there are sterling qualities in those particular planets. So you, you want to be able to have your chart done and learn as best as you can, which is why I'm mentioning the School of Planetary Studies, only because I was able to read widely and be able to do a whole series of classes, 36 in total, beginner, intermediate, and advanced, that cover so much in astrology. So I'm giving the plug here only because um, a lot of people don't realize that they exist. And now they're in a wonderful form online and you can access them that way if you decide to order any of them. So it's a whole other world to go through our website, Graper Enterprises. There is a lot of articles that are completely complimentary, particularly in the Earth Aquarius news section, the global hotspot section, which has to do with astrolocality and the great work of Jim Lewis with his particular work, astrocartography. And so every month you can see, uh, I will put out a new moon chart with a world map and a full moon chart and storylines about the different planetary energies crisscrossing throughout the world that are highlighting or giving positive energies to certain cities and locations and in other places, challenging areas. So you don't want to miss global hotspots on Great Bear Enterprises as well. And plus, of course, we have a wide section of reports to learn more about your cycles. Skylog and The Sky Within, both designed by the great astrologer Stephen Forrest, are both available. The Sky Within, which has an um, interpretation of your birth chart or the chart for a friend or family member based on month, day, and year, time as accurate as possible, city and state. These make great gifts and to learning uh, materials. They're not sent by actual mail. They're sent by email attachment. So if you place an order, they can, they can be sent quickly, you know, within 24, 48 to 72 hours. So I highly recommend the sky within because it will go over sun, moon, rising sign. It won't do the asteroids, it won't do Chiron, although there's a separate port on the four main asteroids in Chiron that can be ordered separately. And all the reports can be previewed um, with famous people um, on in the uh, astrology shop shopping area, astrology shop of Greater Enterprises, you can look at any type of report to see what's in there uh, through looking at a, a chart for a report for a famous person. The companion to the Sky Within natal report is called Skylog, which show, uh, focuses with essay-like interpretations of your opportunities and challenges, what we call transits and progressions, for six months or one year. And it's incredibly well done. Again, the author or designer of this is Stephen Forrest, who's become a great shining light um, along with his wife. They have uh, put together so many great books and so many wonderful uh, lectures and conferences around America and around the world. So I'm just giving them some extra attention here in terms of the high level of those particular uh, reports. We have many of them in different areas in the astrology shop here, including a numerology report uh, that can, people can order as well. I, I don't like marketing myself, I'll just be honest about it. I've never been one to want to advertise about things. I'm kind of reluctant to do it. I'm sure it's part of a past life background, 
But at this particular time, since it's just before Christmas and other holidays and the new year, if you're listening at this point, a lot of these are great gifts to yourself or to loved ones who want to learn more about astrology. So all the freebies on the website, Earth Aquarius News section, Global Hotspots, Astro Flash, read everything you want, Astro Business Keys, go there, all these keynotes and phrases and keywords about sun, moon, planets, asteroids, Chiron, all of this learning that's completely there if you want it. You don't have to order anything. You don't have to pay for anything. If you want to get something, go to the astrology shop. Go to um, the School of Planetary Studies section. And all of the podcasts are complimentary. And we've already done over 25. And now we've started the next wave. So this is now completing um, the second part of the Star Wars series. May the Force be with you, as I was saying earlier. And there will be a part three. I will attempt to do that in the near future and hopefully have that done sometime in the next week and look forward to sharing that more about George Lucas and some other things that I've never revealed before that I've suddenly come into uh, an understanding and illumination of certain things that happened around the time of his birth that I'd like to add to this whole story. So many blessings to all. Thank you for listening and bye for now.